Welcome to Vacation Station, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to Big Blend Radio's second Friday food, wine, and travel show with the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. We love our second Fridays because we get to chat with the travel writers who are all members of IFTWA. We say IFTWA instead of International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. <laughs> Such a big name, but it's a cool name, and they've got cool people that are all part of it. So if you're a destination, a writer, a photographer, blogger, winemaker, you want to check them out, go to IFWTW, wait, IFWTWA.org. I was there. But today yes. we're excited to welcome back travel writer Linda Milks. Uh, she's telling us about her big five wow moments in Jordan. I mean, that is an epic bucket That's list epic. adventure. And she did it. You can see her story right on the homepage of blendradioandtv.com. If you're listening right now when this airs live, uh, second Friday. <laughs> of uh, January here. It will also be featured in our upcoming issue of Vacation Station Travel Magazine. So check that out. And also keep up with her at toastingfoodwineandtravel.com. So welcome back, Linda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? We're doing <laughs> We're good. good. I, so Toasting Food, Wine, and Travel, you go to Jordan. Did you get to have some wine? Oh, yes, we did. The first night we went to... Um, a, and actually a wine shop and the uh, winemaker, the family, it was a, it's a family place since I think about 1956 that have grown grapes. As a matter of fact, grapes have grown in the Jordan area for centuries. It's probably next to Georgia. It's probably the second oldest place to grow grapes. And so we went, we met with the owner, one of the owner winemakers and were able to sample his grapes, I think they have like 400 acres. It's like an enormous amount of grapes. And we sampled different wines and uh, we tried uh, Acura too, which is a spirit that is Ooh. known in Jordan, I think in the Middle East. So it was, and then we went to his place called the Bar in the Back and had dinner oh, it was like an outdoor name. place oh mm -hmm. yeah it was very cool and um, we had um small plates and paired with his wines it was lovely because mm. i've heard that jordan is really one of the most ancient places you can go for mm -hmm. wine and uh why not you yeah. know it sounds good and i know you really wanted to go on this trip and i think it's exciting uh iftwa um his it, this is i think the second i, I think second I think so. trip and you're on the board, right, yes. of IFTWA. And yeah. um, so that's pretty big, uh, getting this kind of trip together, getting the travel writers, getting everybody together to make it happen. Let's put it that way. Especially because your, your group, Yeah, it's group travel. Mm -hmm. But I think now, like, a lot of people are going to go, like, you're going to Jordan. How did you feel as a woman going to Jordan? Uh did you have family and friends go like, are you nuts going there? Like <laughs> I personally would go, you know, I have no, I don't, I don't, I don't care where I go. I I'm, I'm going, I mean, I care, but I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to let anybody tell me yes or no. And 
I think every place is dangerous and good at the same time. Just kind of yeah. been there, yeah. done that in my life. So you always have to watch yourself. You yeah, always. I think I think that uh, it would be more difficult uh, if we would have gone to Israel and Jordan. Uh, although I have oh, a good okay. friend who just did that and on a tour, so she was fine too. I I knew that this other group had gone. It's been about four years ago, but I knew they'd gone. And they, uh, one of them in particular, Linda Kassam, told me it was yeah. like life-changing. And that's part of the reason mm -hmm. I really wanted to go. And when we got there, there were eight women and we were met by um, someone that helped us check in, mm -hmm. go through our customs with our passports. And then we were put on a van with our guide. So we were with someone the whole time, but I never felt threatened in Jordan anywhere. Mm. So yeah, one yeah. guide the whole time throughout. Your yeah. Day. Yeah. And that's a good thing to have. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and I, I was, remember Diva Linda coming on the show talking yes. about her. And I was like, the diva got on a camel. The day the diva got on the camel, I, I, love it. I thought that was it. Mm -hmm. the, the, the skies changed. The world parted. <laughs> I mean, and then I saw you on a camel. Yes. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not as easy as everybody thinks. No, oh, it isn't. It, and it's not, not very comfortable. I can tell you that. No, and, and they bite. They well, do bite. There were four all hooked together in a row. And um, so that helped. But, oh, yeah. They, you know, when you get on, they raise up their, their, back legs first so you like you have to lean back because otherwise you're going to be thrown forward and yeah. then they raise up their front legs mm -hmm. you have to lean way back and then you start the journey and there's no stirrups or anything like that like you have oh, you oh, that's stirrups? yeah you just hang your legs hang down oh. and believe me oh, I was like that's kind of free basing man. okay that's so like in free Kenya, no, in Kenya I had stirrups on a camel yeah, and oh. and that's how the camel bit my foot because oh. he could find the stirrup. He knew exactly where it was. Oh, he just wow. like and it didn't bite he hard. He didn't want the stirrup, so they know in Jordan yeah. not to do that. So yeah. maybe yeah. it's good. It's good not to have stirrups. Well, we huh. went. We started at five forty-five in the morning, so maybe the camels were still a little groggy. <laughs> ah. Well, they were not like and metal stirrups, like horses. I They're leather. How did that uh -huh. feel too? Just flying across there and then suddenly getting up for these camel rides early in the morning. Yeah, that was like a little bit later on our journey. We actually went out the day before and saw they were, you know, giving tur tourist camel rides, and we all are going. Oh, we want to do this, and our guide said, "No, there it's hot, and those camels are tired. You'd be a lot better off to do it in the morning, which was great advice. So they came before sunrise mm -hmm. and four of us got on camels and went out. And so we saw the sunrise in the desert. And that's part of in the Wadi Rum. That's part of one of my wow experiences was to have that morning cool. adventure going out on camels. And there were um, three men sitting around in a circle who made a fire for us. And then they put the tea on and we had tea and some kind of biscuit as the sun was coming up and nice. just amazing yeah nice. wow and so when you think about this i just had a, a conversation with a friend who's talking about you know going on guided tours how important is it when you go to a place like jordan or anywhere for you to have a guided tour versus just going willy-nilly on your own and hoping everything works out i just think that 
this guide was very knowledgeable about Jordan. I mean, he, he was a native Jordanian. He knew the history of everything. It just analysts, you know, I'd have to have been an amazing history major, which I'm not, to have any of the knowledge. Uh, and I think it would have taken me months to really get up to speed to what he was able to tell mm -hmm. us just from his own personal knowledge. So it was very important for us. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's that's something about these kind of trips. When you go on a bucket list, you you it you need to go beyond the visitor center or the book. Yes, because you yeah. can read it all mm -hmm. that you want, but when you're standing yeah. there, you want to actually have that understanding while when you're there. Like behind us, we have this photo for those who are watching on video on YouTube or Facebook. The um, treasury, Petra, the, the monastery, the monastery, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you're there in Petra, do you understand what the monastery is? But in a book, now you're going to have to look it up. You don't want to do that on your trip unless you've researched it. But the connection, I don't know. I think if you have someone there, it really tells you while you're there, it really gets to you. There's a, there's a yeah. book, uh, you know, speaking of Petra, there's a book called Married to a Bedouin. And it's fascinating. This woman oh. was in her 20s. And I think most of the book takes place maybe 75 to 1975 to 1980s uh and it it was i read i read it after i got home uh but mm. it i love the book it was very fascinating and she talked about how um the bedouins they lived in these caves and some of them still do i don't no, not legally but some of them still live in the caves but how they were all in those caves and then they were moved out um eventually oh wow yeah interesting history book. yeah mm. and that's that's a, i think that's a thing too is reading books and it's not always like the guidebooks it's always those personal encounters yeah people are going right do you read yeah. biographies that kind of thing yeah yeah that one was that's her story of being married to a bedouin she was from i think it was new zealand and she had oh, three wow. children with him and oh, they wow. would go sometimes I think half the year or less back to New Zealand and then she would they'd move back into Petra and they had um I don't know if they had one or two I think they might have had two caves that they lived in and she and <laughs> she talked to the caves. Like, she was I'm a nurse kids I'm gonna have a cave yeah and they, she was cave. a nurse and she talked about wow. some of the caves uh were painted on the inside so they weren't at, quite as primitive and actually, one of our group made friends with a Bedouin that lives in a cave, and they have, uh, I think, I think they have electricity. I think they have a TV. But in the cave. They, yeah, they legally are not supposed to be there, but I guess they just let them live there unless they step out from Petra, and then they can evict them and keep them out. Did they have a door to close to the cave? like uh you know some of what i was reading in her book that some of them had windows or doors i didn't oh. see that i mean what we we didn't see where they're in living. the historical park like the, right we're it's not almost on, like a national park kind of yeah thing. i think wow. i think where they live is more on the back side of what where the tourists go hmm. and so huh. when where where you were i mean can you envision living there no <laughs> <laughs> never lived in a cave 
<laughs> like trying to sort this you out. Know, in listen, my mind, Linda's you know? into Temecula Land with wineries no and all yeah. of that. She's yeah. like, heck no. But what? Okay. So think about it. what made you want to go and how are your feelings coming back? I mean, and everyone, the five wows. I mean, to me, I want to hear your experience. You wrote a, a mm-hmm. great article and everyone can get into that. But going there, what made you want to go? And then, and then your feel like even coming home. So let's start with that. What made you go? Like, oh, why I, go? I've never been done any mid, uh, Middle Eastern travel at all. And I, mm. you know, I've done a lot of like, Italy and France and Spain, but not anywhere like the Middle East. And I really wanted to be exposed to it. But Jordan is a very safe place to travel. Uh, They're not warring people. And so, and I knew from Linda Kassam that it was an amazing event. So I just wanted to be exposed to something different than what I'd seen. And so I would learn something. And, um, you know, I always enjoy the food of the area. I haven't spent that much time in a desert and that we, we spent one night, uh, in a, um, they call it a dome, uh, in, mm-hmm. in the desert. And that a was tent. interesting yeah, like a too. Dome tent. Yeah. 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 And, and they did have a restaurant there. So it was, you know, it was made for tourists, but it was still interesting to be in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, and in what was dome. the food like for you? Um, well, the that's the different, food, isn't it? Yeah, the food actually the their diet is very healthy. A lot of vegetables, a lot of and hummus. And we did get a little tired of the same. It seemed like the same food over and over and over again. Mm. But as far as healthy, very healthy and not that spicy or anything at all. And oh, oh wow, yeah, it was it was surprising. Yeah, it wasn't spicy. They use a lot of yogurt. Uh, and oh. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a yogurt where they strain it more times. It's almost like a cottage cheese. And that goes into one of their dishes too. Um, so you get that yogurt, that kind of a little bit of sour creaminess in different mm. dishes and parsley and, um, you know, uh, tabbouleh, tabbouleh that we're familiar with mm-hmm. and, uh, the flatbreads. I don't, you know, we call it pita bread. They have different yeah. flatbreads, different names yeah. for mm-hmm. them. One day when we were uh, when we were in the out in the desert, we um, and it was a Bedouin area, and he took it took us to uh, what well, was a luxury camp, Sharah luxury camp, and which was amazing too. It was it's totally um, green and solar and they use candles nice. or at night and yeah it was oh you gotta see the stars right yeah yeah and i would have stayed there in a heartbeat but that wasn't part of our stay but anyway he took us he's to, like dang it come on dude i know i know it was mm-hmm. wonderful i would go there it was beautiful but um he took us to a tent a bedouin tent and the bedouin gentleman that was there made bread for us and it was just made of salt water and wheat and wheat's a big deal there that mm-hmm. everything's wheat so he made this bread and then I think it was his mother um cooked it outside the tent so after mm-hmm. he needed it and everything she cooked it outside the tent she there was a hole in the ground it had ashes oh, and then yeah. she put the bread in covered it with more ashes and then, then when cool. it was done, she pulled it out and beat it 
to get the ashes off and brought it in and we all loved it. <laughs> I love it. That's See, that's very like African to us. Yeah, that's very yeah. our, our experiences. Yeah. yeah, Nancy, yeah. doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah, chapatis. Yeah. Yeah. We used to have chapati, which is a eleven mm -hmm. day like a yeah. And to this day, like you ask, like I don't even mm -hmm. eat bread that much anymore. I'm like, we make tortillas all the time now yeah. as we travel, especially easier. And it's like as soon as we change that, even my body who's gone back to living in East Africa as a kid. Yeah. You know, it's like, because we used to have chapatis, uh, mm -hmm. bread, water, flour. I mean, yeah. not bread, water, uh, flour, water, a little bit of salt. oil, kind of salt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, and it's it's just how it's needed and how you prepare it. And yeah. it's, it's, I think these ancient cultures have done it for bringing centuries mm -hmm. you know not decades not years it's centuries yes. and yes. when you have that kind of bread it just is better on your body in some way and yes. but i do no love a good sourdough yeast. thank you very much i'm sorry yeah, but there's never go no but there's no unnatural yeast there's just no yeast in right. it and makes it oh, far healthier but, I still have my beer. but they use the yeast for beer see mm -hmm. a lot of yeah but that's a natural yeast. that's a natural yeast it's not yeah. like what we yeah. would get here. Yeah. Oh my, we're going to yep. have a war of yeast. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but this is cool what you have. I mean, so going there, I mean, did you have a culture shock going there? Like, did you getting off the plane and getting into Jordan, like when that flight like, over and get there and go, did you second guess yourself at any point? I didn't second guess myself, but getting off the airplane, the airport's, are just crazy <laughs> there's people just tons of Funny. people lined up going in different directions it's mm -hmm. very very compact and all kinds of people all kinds of talking all kinds of noise mm -hmm. so that when you get off a plane and then you're confronted with that but we knew that we had um, a guide and a host that was going to meet us so that was and there were eight of us together to help so that's a good point, though, to, for, for mm -hmm. people going over, whether they're traveling solo or with guides to expect it. Yes. To prepare yourself. That's yes. a really because good tip. In, in Kenya, when it was time to board the first time that I went. Everybody started running. And so I'm thinking, what's wrong? Is there a bomb <laughs> in the airport? They're running to the plane. And I didn't realize <sighs> that you had to run to the plane because you have a ticket. But as far as what your seat number is, nobody cares. Oh, so if you don't run to the plane, then you get whatever seats left. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, what? 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 <laughs> well, so we, that, yeah. we flew on Royal Jordanian and it was oh. pretty, it was a little different than, I mean, I was in charge of seeing that everyone's tickets and everything was organized. And it was different because they put them, us. we didn't really get a formal ticket. We got a piece of paper that had our e-ticket numbers and they were all lumped together. So we had to be together because we Ooh. didn't have individual tickets. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, because of doing yeah. the media trip. Yeah, that's right. a little different. But yeah. So that's I'm different going. I, but what was it like on their planes <laughs> even? It, the planes were fine. I think the only strange experience I had was that, and I don't think it's just Air, or Royal Jordanian. I think it's a certain kind of plane that I sat in the bulkhead 
which I thought would be great. Well, <laughs> they, they bring out a bassinet and they hook the bassinet onto the, the bulkhead. So, and I had a child who was probably 12 or 14 months that's sitting in that bassinet sitting because he was laying too some, but sitting, which is supposed to be for a baby baby, I think. And his feet are dangling and I can't get out to go to the bathroom. I anything. I was trapped because I was next to the window. And <laughs> Linda went into the bassinet. No. I know. It was like I couldn't, I could barely get the arm up for my tray or anything because the bassinet was in the way. But I think it's a particular kind of plane. I don't think it's necessarily Royal Jordanian. So I'm okay. gonna not sit in the bulkhead again. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah I cried the whole funny. time. No, so oh. wine. I've had yeah. those planes, and then you asked for a wine. I remember when we came over from you know <laughs> England to here, from oh, South gosh. Africa to England to here, and I sat next to a woman so with funny. a baby that was crying, 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 and she started like shut up and I'm like you can't be like that to the baby but I also want you to really shut up and I'm not being mean to the baby I mean I understand it. we're all we all are tired of this flight because we were being delayed and all like where and so yeah. we wanted wine Nancy gets wine I order wine and asked me for my passport and I said oh yeah sure give you my passport and I'll tell you I'm 19 and they looked at me like well you should know better I'm like what do you mean I'm legal no, not in this country. In South, in South Africa, she was up, legal, I was legal. To drink. And I'm like, I moved to a country that I'm not legal to drink. What? Uh -huh. And legal in South Africa pretty much means when you're 16, because yeah. you can with family at that era. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a long time ago. And, and so mm -hmm. I, and Nancy sits there and goes, cheers to you. Uh -huh. ha -ha. Cheers. <laughs> and I'm looking at her. She's like, ha ha. <laughs> ha ha and ha ha not even just one ha ha just yeah. it was like it was mean but um yeah eventually well, i i decided you know, I, need something I made up i decided i need something stronger than wine so i ordered a gin and tonic and i heard oh. the two flight attendants go she wants a gin and tonic whoa <laughs> so oh, i guess that was dude. a big deal oh, that's a big deal oh. for a woman so, yeah so that's so a jordan because let's talk about that so the alcohol mm. thing so wine is a big deal so, I mean, what was on menus other than food in regards to libations? Well, there, I mean, we were at hotels, so they did a comp, we had, we paid for our own wine, uh, which is right. not unusual for an IFTA trip that you pay for. Mm. If you have alcohol, you pay for it. And right. so we, it was on the menu. There wasn't a wide variety, but it, it was on the menu. Uh, there was also a drink. I think it's, it's called Lemonada uh, that our, I wish our tour guide had it one day and it was, I think it was, it was either lemon or lime and mint. And it was like a slushy. It looked mm -hmm. really interesting, but until, you know, we'd all ordered and things, we weren't aware that that was oh. one of the drinks there. So we didn't try it, but I have a photo of it. It's beautiful. <laughs> and it sounds really good. You could put but, some oh, little so gin in there. Think it's got like gin or something in there. Or? No, no. Cause it, I mean, oh. most, you know, he was Muslim and yeah. they, they just yeah. don't okay. drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. So that's, and there was a lot of tea everywhere we went. And the tea was mm -hmm. actually very good. It was, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was hibiscus is what they use a lot. <gasps> and so oh. it was, it was really good. Oh. I'm a yeah. huge hibiscus. Tea that's nice. I mean, it is so good for mm -hmm. your body too. It's, yeah, it's really nice. Tea. 
Yeah. And it perks you up and it makes you happy. And when you look at a hibiscus flower, aren't you happy? I mean, hibiscus is happy and they do it in Mexico too. Yeah. Well, you know, we started out as a group being leery of drinking water and I still don't know about the water part of it, but, and then, so then, well, maybe we shouldn't be drinking tea and then we didn't want to be, you know, unkind. So basically you all just drank wine the entire time. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Bottle, we drank bottled water, but then as, as we got more into the trip, then we started drinking the tea and we all seemed to be fine. Yeah, because it's boiled. Because it's heated. It's the water's boiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the thing you don't know, and that's why we want to have these conversations is Mm -hmm. for people to understand. You know, I I don't want to ever scare people of travel, but if you're over paranoid or over scared, like you're not going to have a good trip. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I think you have to be able to be welcome to trying different foods. um, Mm -hmm. To I think. I don't know that if we had anything that terribly unusual. And I think there wasn't even that much lamb, which I think they do eat a lot of lamb. I think they may have yeah. toned it down for Americans. Um, and I'm fine with lamb, but, and we didn't have goat, which I think is a pretty common thing there too. Yeah, um, we used to that too. It, yeah. And also that's the thing. I think that nowadays going international, you can go get the food that you're used to in America because we've become such a global society which is wonderful we have so many more food options through it and more friends of Mm -hmm. different cultures that can teach us different things and so when you go to a different country like jordan which is on that list of Mm -hmm. remote and bucket list you know we all want to go and it i think you know if we've tasted some we can get our we can get our senses kind of stimulated and ready it's never going to be perfectly the same once you're in the country because it their ingredients are not going to be the same. I mean, they're just doing the best they can in this country to be Jordanian. I mean, we've had Jordanian uh, musicians on our show and stuff oh, over the years. Cool. It's very rare that we get someone, uh, Lebanon and Jordan are kind of, you know, the two and Israel, of course, we've covered for years and that I don't want to go into that drama, but um that's their drama you know it's not ours and and you know i i feel for people in war and and things but um when you're talking about musicians i that one of my other experiences wow experiences was that through local eyes and no yeah yeah and those it was a sister yeah yeah it's a sister and brother his i think he was 27 she might have been 24 she was dressed in very American jeans and things like that. And she didn't have a hajib on. She said when she went to visit her parents, she wore one just out of respect to her parents. But uh, I don't think in daily life she does. And she had just graduated from college, uh, which is really yeah. wonderful to hear mm-hmm. that that happened. And that was in Amman is where they were. And they did at the very end, they did a little rap for us of a song that they love that was Jordanian. They, they played the music and then they together, you saw them both go like this, the brother and sister back and forth when they did the rap and it was a song about their country. It was oh. so wonderful. Mm, nice. So, you know, that's the thing. So we're at a change then. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing it in Iran, Iraq. We're seeing, I mean, we're seeing this change, especially for women. Yes. Going there, that's what I was like, you know, I, I, I bet people are concerned, like going over to Jordan at this time as a woman, especially 
Mm -hmm. So you felt okay and felt safe? Yeah, we went to two different, most of the time you see men everywhere, uh, not women on the streets. We, mm -hmm. In the hotels where we were, there would be a couple of women working in the restaurant area, but mainly it's all men. Uh, but we did mm -hmm. go to two restaurants that, restaurants, I guess is what you call them. They were homes where they served us meals and they do this for tourists. And uh it's a way for them, these women, to um, earn money and establish a little bit of their own independence and help pay for the kids' college and things. So, one of them was one of them uh, was the first one in her area to do it, and then she has 15 women who now do that too, and they come to her uh, facility where she serves, and we ate outside. And, beautiful picnic area with the cat on the table <laughs> oh now you're gonna feel it at home with the pool cats right. are everywhere we could all right. and they're yeah. in petra too by the way yes <laughs> oh i know i've got photos of them petra but anyway she also has a little gift shop so they would make uh canned goods and there's bracelets there's rugs things like that that these women have put in the shops as a way for them to earn money so they're they're you know, it's still cooking, it's still in their homes, but it's a step for sure in mm -hmm. there, being able to have their own businesses. That's oh awesome. my gosh. This is so cool. It sounds similar to Kenya, Nancy, mm -hmm. and even yeah, early absolutely. days of South Africa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Women, women are, you know, what we yeah. learned in Africa is women were far more um, enterprising than the men, mm -hmm. far more uh, mathematical in their their brains were more cool. mathematical they they could they knew money mm -hmm. and they they didn't make mistakes with money like the men did yeah yeah they mm -hmm. they were on it with that and they and they ran their households in a very clean and strict way mm -hmm. their houses yeah. were really clean you know the thing too when you when you go back to history like africa and i mean and we're, mm. these are neighboring countries you know right yeah east africa is very muslim too and um parts of it women women oh from the western civilization it looks terrible and it is in certain ways in different places and in different countries so please uh, everyone it's it's different everywhere and but women do have a lot more say than what people would understand inside a relationship a muslim relationship and some really want to wear their outfits and, yeah. and and some people don't and yeah. so it's it's at this point now of a change and i yeah. think you know power to those who make a movement to go i want to do this and be who they are and power to those who want to stay the way they want to it's kind Our of that um, has been through that yeah it, it's I, well it's it's not we're, we're still in a it's still really happening right now mm -hmm. in different countries so mm -hmm. um it, it's interesting to be part of it and see women grow and women are still fighting even in our own mm -hmm. country here in the states absolutely acknowledge right. uh, like leave that out so you know, going to countries like Jordan and seeing women get to these places and start to be able to 
did that make you feel good as a woman seeing that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Our, you know, we asked our, our guide was very good about taking questions and we asked him cause he's married and we asked him about his wife and if she wore a hajid and he said, when he first met her, she didn't. And then after time passed, she decided she wanted to, and she wanted to do it to show her religion is why she wanted to do it. So mm -hmm. That is yes. one of the reasons they do it. And then, like I said, with the young girl, Lana, she wanted to do it um, when she went to see her parents just to show respect for her parents. Mm -hmm. They probably know she doesn't wear it the rest I, of the time. I interviewed a lady uh, in uh, Warda um, who is a refugee here in this country. I and mean, she went from Ethiopia down. Her family, she walked basically all the way to South Africa. And we we talked and... Um, her family in South Africa actually got shot at. It, it, I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. And I encourage people to read her in, uh, read her book, her memoir. And she's about to become a doctor in this country. Oh, cool. In Minnesota, she moved to Minnesota, went through a lot of racism in our country. And yeah. she stood strong and she's an amazing woman. And she is very, her husband is actually in South Africa and she's here and because she's doing her doctorate and, um it's the same thing she's amazing strong as a woman but strong in her religion of islam and it's very hard for people to understand but um it's it's a very difficult thing you i always say you can't just blanket one thing mm -hmm. or the other and, and when you travel the more you travel and immerse yourself in cultures and the people have these interpersonal connections you'll understand what people want to do and if there there's radicals of every Absolutely. religion and every belief mm -hmm. who do mm -hmm. things that we are against mm -hmm. that is okay to be against but you know um warda has a devout belief system that is about caring, kindness, loving, nothing, mm -hmm. nothing about killing Americans and killing right. people. Yeah. yeah. It's about love and kindness. And, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, she's becoming a doctor mm -hmm. as a woman yes, from a so farm cool. in Ethiopia where her grandfather stole her baby mm -hmm. milk because they were dying and starving and he stole it from her. Wow. Yet she still loves him mm -hmm. and forgives mm -hmm. him for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got to look at this in so many different lights. And I think the mm -hmm. beauty of you going to Jordan is to, especially as a woman, is showing we can do this and we can connect in these cultures. And I think a lot of times, honestly, the guides are this portal of connection more than anything. Mm -hmm. When you're in a car with a guide, you have these conversations that are deep and meaningful. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it also, I think it's important to, as a tourist to another country, to know what their culture is and what, how to show respect for them when you're there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you went to Jordan and went against their culture, like that's not going to work out for you very well. No, no. And it's nope, just probably it, won't it's... get through checkout. <laughs> no groceries for it's, you. No. It's not <laughs> smart. No, not it's smart. not smart. I mean, honestly, these, we're talking ancient, ancient mm -hmm. history. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think we have to. The only way this world is spinning because nature does, but we have to somehow. Travel is going to knock you around. 
Yep. And well, it's education. It's going to take you to different places. And if you don't have the ability to change your mindset, you're never going to be a good traveler or understand travel. Like, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why do we travel? To change, don't we? To it's, have a greater and understanding. Grow. It's, it's yeah. so much fun. It's yeah. so How did you interesting on, on so many levels. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's I mean, the nature, the people, the history. Mm-hmm. There's just so many levels that you can go to the same place five or six times or more and always learn something new. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For you growing, what do you think you came out of Jordan really growing from? I I don't know. I think it's just like a different understanding of, well, I never knew people lived in caves, <laughs> you know, and, but, but also those guys that are in caves and on mules, they have cell phones. <laughs> That's so funny. And, yeah, it is. And it's just, I mean, to see a different cultures, just, you know, really awakening and to see the women, those women that had the little restaurants in their homes, that was wonderful they were warm uh gracious they'd figure to i'm impressed that they figured out a way to make a, a business for themselves in yep. in a country where that didn't exist before i i was very impressed with that i was impressed with how welcoming and warm everywhere we went the people were the, the the last place we stayed at was the Hilton uh, the Hilton Dead Sea Resort and Spa. It was gigantic. It had probably four different levels to it to get even get down to the pools and it just sprawled forever. And they put me in a room that I couldn't find <laughs> because I don't have a great sense of direction anyway. And there is a poor little guy that was outside. It helped me find my room. And then he took my suitcase there the first time. And then every night when I go back, I couldn't find my room and he would be there and show me where my room was. Wow. So they already knew they, 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 they watched out for you. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. I mean, I've never had a hotel experience where someone was so helpful and so responsive right away. Uh, Wow. Wow. And so, and then going through Jordan, like accommodation wise, what was that like for you? I know going to your final hotel, but what was it like? I mean, did you sleep in a cave? No, no, no. I luckily, had to ask. Oh, no, luckily, luckily for us, we had probably five star hotels. We we stayed uh, at two Moven Picks, which I'd never heard of before. And they are gorgeous. They're decorated just like um, the country where they are, very lavish. They've got fountains inside. So, and then the breakfast buffet in particular went on and on and on, like a whole wall probably of desserts. And the one interesting thing, I mean, it was all interesting, but the whole thing of vegetable salads, the whole thing of, you know, like meats and cheeses and several kinds of yogurts, Uh, but, the last place we stayed, which I, I think was, no, it was at, I think, Movenpick in Aqaba. They had this big copper pot with a big handle in it and some little plates around it. And I asked the um, chef what it was. And it's called Full, Fool, Fool, I think is how it's pronounced, F-U-L. And it's a bean dish that's mashed up. And that's a breakfast dish that's served 
in more, you know, in several Middle Eastern countries. And then you had all these little toppings that could go on it. Um, So that that was had tahini, it had Mm -hmm. um, olive oil, of course, and I don't remember all, but all kinds of toppings that could go on this fool, which is there. So what they eat for breakfast isn't necessarily, you know, cereal. (laughs) It's a little more interesting. And, And we did get to see that. That was nice. We did go to a cooking kitchen. Did you too. taste it? Did you taste it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I took it. It's just, just kind of bland. Uh, yeah. It needed mm. things to go on top of it, like the olive yeah. oil. Olive oil mm. everywhere, which is fine with me. And, um, you know, the tahini was good on it. Yeah, I did. Oh. Cool. cool. So you said a cooking school? You went to a cooking school? Yeah, we went to a cooking uh, I think it was called... Uh, something kitchen, a cooking kitchen. And uh, so we were divided. We, our group stayed together and, but there were probably four other groups of, that were at tables of eight and we made different things to eat. And we made tabbouleh at our table, something cool. like oh. tabbouleh. And nice. there was one that made a bread, uh, some kind of a little pastry. And then uh what else did we, well we had a variety what we made a a dish too that was i don't really know what it's called it has hamburger i've got the recipe but it has hamburger on the bottom and then they put potatoes and tomatoes on top of it and oh uh, yeah it was good very good that sounds good wow mm-hmm. so yeah. is that the gall sums gall sums i can't pronounce anything in your article so no, no i don't know no oh, no offense called, to the jordanian peoples i'm just saying i i until i get there i I'll know probably not really get it i think it's Galsom's kitchen but i'm not Galsom's. positive Galsom's. Galsom's. no it was Galsom's. called petra it was called petra kitchen that was actually a facility where people go to and make prepare their own food at Galsom's kitchen she we walked in she greeted us with this big smile she had her hajib her whole robe on in blue very pretty invited her, us into her home she had low pillows on the floor and a low table that we all sat around and she uh, brought different dishes uh to us like tabbouleh and uh, steamed steamed tomatoes are a big thing there for some reason, and that was one of the things that, that she brought. Uh, and she brought this dish that is yogurt and chicken combined. Uh, it's a two. It's a yogurt that's strained twice, and the chicken uh-huh. and rice, and that's a main dish of that country. And then uh, she did. Oh, she, she did another dish. It was in a big pan that looked like maybe a, the size of a small tire or something. It had sides on it, it was round. And it had um, pastry dough, uh, like not, not, um, not, let's see, it had like a Greek pastry dough like baklava has on the outside of it. And then inside it had chicken and onions in layers Ooh, inside. And that, that had, it was wonderful. And then she, she bakes it in that dish and then she flips it over and serves it that way. And it's like a big cake. It's what it looks like. And you cut into it and you see the chicken and the onions. Oh, wow. And so this is something too, for people to think, I mean, we think of Jordan as one big desert, right? Yeah. And Nancy, you know, from living in the desert, you can grow just about anything actually. 
if you get to the right water source. And so the Jordan, that you said you eat a lot of vegetables over there. So they really do have gardens. Oh yes, if you get beyond, uh, if you go outside Petra, if you go up to the north, it's more of a garden area and a lot greener. Well, you get near the Jordan River for one thing, which mm. is they, and they grow olives and they grow other things up in that area. It's much more of an agricultural area. And that was interesting too, because we did go up to uh, Bethany uh, beyond the Jordan and we went to the Jordan River. We were on the Jordan side and the Jordan River is not very big anymore. And right across from us was Israel. And there were people immersing themselves in the water in the Jordan River. Uh, I, I don't know if they were baptizing or just touching the water because they wanted to be on water that they, oh, that, they thought of as holy. And there were, that's the only place we saw any kind of uh, police or guards at all was at that oh. spot uh, on the yeah. Jordan side. Hmm. It's connected to Israel. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah right yeah. there. So would you go back again? Oh, yes. <laughs> I would love to go back again. It was just, it was amazing. It really was. I learned so much about history too. I still, when I came home, I'm still doing research on trying to remember and figure out more in depth. Um, I'll, I'll be doing a lot more reading about the history. Isn't it different than when we go to school and then what we learn in school and then what yeah. you get on the other side? Oh, I know. It's just when you're actually exposed to, uh, it, that was part of it too. You're walking along in these areas where like the Nabatans, I think is what it is, even before the Bedouins and the Romans. And, and you see these ruins and you think, wow, well, we saw a chariot race location. We saw, you know, you see these paths and you're thinking about all the generations and generations and thousands and thousands of years of people who have walked on these roads. It's mind boggling. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, Linda, good for you going. And yeah. thanks for sharing. Nancy, you ready to go to Jordan? Oh, she went off. I don't know. We can't hear her. I think she's she's been trying to fix it for a little bit here. But thank you so much, Linda, for joining us. I encourage everyone to check out Linda's article. It's on blendradioandtv.com called The Five Wows of Jordan. Uh, you know, so just type in Linda Milks or type in Jordan uh, Five Big Wows. And also you'll see in our upcoming issue of Vacation Station Travel Magazine. And also we want to give a shout out to IFTWA, the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. You can go to ifwtwa.org. And Linda, I'd say, um, you know, that's a that's a big shout out to being a member of IFTWA is you get to go yes. to these kind of destinations. You yes. know, have to apply from, be accredited, all of that stuff. There is a process, but would you say that's one of the big highlights being a member? Oh, yeah. And I think IFTWA is one of the few groups that has media trips available. And I'm the, right now I'm the media trips chair for the year. And we have two media trips up already. So and we're going to do a lot more. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. So if you're a travel writer and a photographer, author, check it out. Destinations do to get on board. Right. So yes, that's a big yes. deal. 
So ifwtwa.org. And of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. We do a show uh, with destinations every second Tuesday, every second Friday. We do our time with travel writers. And coming up every third Friday is a new panel writers discussion group. So uh, check that out. So we'll be doing that next. So thank you so much, Linda. You take care and happy travels. And I don't know, you're going to have to find a camel. You're in the desert. Kind of. I'm going to South Africa next. So when you're talking about Africa, I'm going, oh, but that's on my own dime. We live there. We live I, there. Oh, I have to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, this, Nancy Anders, her magazine is in South Africa. Yay! All right, so that's the next okay. thing. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Take care. bye, bye.